Good morning and welcome to Park Road Baptist Church on Youth Sunday 2023. Don't they look great? Don't they just look great? It is so good to spend this much of the time I've gotten to spend with our young people recently. Don't get me wrong, when we hire somebody, I'm gonna be the most thrilled person of all. But it has been so great. I have known Clara Kenny since she was itty bitty. And I want to tell you, I have gotten permission to tell you the story that I'm about to tell, okay? So I'm not telling anything out of school. The way we landed up in this water today was Clara is actually on the search committee, one of the youth representatives, the youth voted, and six of our youth serve on the search committee for a new minister of youth and children. And at the end of one of our interviews, I don't know what made her say something about what well, we were talking about. We want the person to teach us about Jesus. We want a spiritual leader and a fun person. I mean, fun's got to happen, but we want a spiritual leader. And Clara said, something came up about baptism, and she said, well, I've already been baptized. And then she started to tell the story, and she ha can't tell this story without telling a disclaimer about the story. There was a little season in the life of the Kennys that we like to call a sabbatical from Park Road Baptist Church. <laughs> they were not mad at anybody. They just felt that it was best for their family to make a little change. And so they went to another church in town that shall not be named, but is good. I'll, tell, I'll say who it is, it's Providence Baptist. They, her grandparents are at Providence Baptist. And so they're here today, thank you. And they took a little sabbatical to Providence Baptist Church. And Clara started telling it, we all just started laughing. Yes, you did take a little sabbatical and I recovered from it. It was hard on me, but I recovered. And she said they had gone to a children's camp when she was at Providence Baptist in elementary school. And she had an experience at children's camp that made her want to be baptized. And so she came back and in the fourth grade, fourth grade was baptized at Providence Baptist. But in that, in that interview, when we we're having this conversation, Clara said, but these are my people. This is my place. And I, at some point, I want to be baptized in my place in, with my people. And so with the theme of water and Youth Sunday, I planted a little seed among the youth and said, I can't think of a better time to be baptized than on Water Youth Sunday. And Clara's just la 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 la. And I said, Clara, do you remember saying you wanted to be baptized again at Parkway Baptist Church among your people in your place? Two days later, I get a text. Okay, I want to be baptized. So, you know, it's, baptism, I think, is an interesting thing. What does this water mean? There's nothing magical about it. It is holy. It is sacred. It is beautiful. And it is a ritual that she can remember forever. So forever she will remember that childhood camp that called her to love Jesus with all that a fourth grader can love, and she was baptized. And forever she'll remember as a ninth grader that she needed to do this with her people in her place. Forever she'll have both of those memories. 
And every time she needs to call on the way of Jesus to see her through something, and every time she needs to remember what it looks like to look out among you and see your faces and know that you have her wrapped, praying for her, loving her, being her people, she will be able to recall upon this memory as a touchstone to get her through. So that's the story she gave me permission to tell. And I am so grateful to be standing in this water with her. There's a commitment that this place and these people make to you, Clara. On the insert in your bulletin, read along with me this covenant and this promise of baptism for Clara. We share in your excitement today, Clara, your desire to follow in the way of Jesus has made you one with us and with believers everywhere. We too have made commitments in faith, and today we pledge our support, our love, and all the resources of our congregation as you experience the warm waters of baptism and as you continue to grow in Christ. May the love of God which created you, the peace of Christ which redeems you, and the fellowship of the Spirit which sustains you be with you always. Hear now Clara's statement of faith as read to you by her brother, Liam. Today I am getting baptized because I want to follow the path of Jesus and take part in the unconditional love he has for his children. I want to live out the feeling of love I get from being with the youth group at Unidiversity during devotion when there is no judgment in sight. The sense of belonging I get when I am in this church and with these people is a feeling I never want to lose. I am so thankful for the friends and the experiences I've had because of the youth group and the lessons I have learned that I will take with me throughout my whole life. I hope for this baptism to symbolize my love for God and the impact this church has had on my life. Clara, because of your profession of Jesus as Lord, and because of your desire in this place to claim his way, I baptize you now, my sister, in the name of Jesus, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised to walk in the newness of life. I hope this has perhaps planted a seed for many people, for their commitments in the way of Jesus, using this symbol as a way to remember. So look. Here's water was to prevent you from being baptized. We rely on water for many things. It plays a large part in our existence. We drink it, cook with it, bathe in it, clean with it, and play in it, among other things. It also acts as the keystone of Earth's weather and climate. If you've ever argued with someone about whether or not water is wet, I will have a definitive answer for you by the end of this discussion. Water is the basis of all life. Due to its unique properties, water is ideal for sustaining life. A water molecule consists of two hydrogen atoms strongly bonded to one oxygen atom, hence why it's called H2O. 
The nature of these bonds causes the water molecule to have an unequal distribution of electrons. This means that water is polar. In simple terms, this is the reason oil and water don't mix, as well as why sugar completely dissolves in water. Water also resists change in temperature, which is why the ocean takes so long to heat up to the warm air brought during spring, and why it stays relatively warm as the air temperature cools down during autumn. Water is the only substance that naturally occurs in all three states on Earth. It can be found solid in the frozen ice caps at the poles, liquid in the many flowing riv rivers and oceans encompassing the planet, and even a gas known as water vapor in the air we breathe. By the way, since water has a property that allows it to stick it to itself called cohesion, a single water molecule is not wet, but a group of water molecules is wet. Water originated from the cosmos. During the formation of the solar system, interplanetary dust containing water amassed into a large spheroid known as the baby Earth. Throughout its youth, our planet was relentlessly bombarded by various comets and asteroids containing more water until all that remained was a large blue ball of vicious oceans and raging storms. At this point in history, science and scripture become one. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. This serves spiritually and biologically as the origin of all life on earth today. Because our planet has not gained any more water since the first few hundred million years after its creation, you might think it would be destined to become a desert. But after all this time, water can still be found everywhere around us and within us. Thanks to the energy provided by the sun, water flows in a perpetual cycle on Earth. This process is known as the water cycle. The sun's heat continuously evaporates water from the many oceans, lakes, and other reservoirs covering the planet's surface. This water, in the form of vapor, rises high in the troposphere as it cools until it condenses into the floating clouds we see in the sky. These clouds continue to grow and darken until they can no longer contain the overwhelming weight of the accumulated water. At this point, the water falls back to the surface's rain, filling the streams and rivers that flow into the initial water containers, marking the completion of a full cycle. Jesus says, whoever drinks the living water will never thirst, just as the sun gives life to the water cycle so the earth may never become parched. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. 97% of that resides in our oceans, with the remaining 3% being fresh water. Out of that small amount, two-thirds is frozen in glaciers, and a little less than one-third is situated underground, leaving only 1% of all the fresh water located in rivers, lakes, and swamps. To put this into perspective, imagine I'm holding a gallon of water that represents all of the water on Earth. If I poured out all of the water that is not easily accessible or drinkable, only one twenty-fifth of an ounce of water would remain. That is why it is extremely important for us to be cognizant of our water usage. Just as water saves us from death and fulfills us physically, following Jesus' teachings and, wi and wisdom fulfills us spiritually. In John 4, Jesus talks about how his living water can make us feel whole and eternally quenched. 
The living water he offers is not literally a drink that erupts an eternal spring in our bodies once consumed. Rather, it's a metaphor for all the things he can teach us should we choose to follow his guidance and wisdom, quenching our spiritual thirst. Let us be thankful for the physical water we drink and for the living water Jesus offers us. Hear now this reenactment of John 4. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship God near, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship God in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers God seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Many of the Samaritans believed that the town from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you have said. We now have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You have heard the ancient story.
Good morning. If you know my family, you know Isaac. And if you know Isaac, you know he loves the ocean and everything to do with it, especially sharks. From the time he was a toddler, he was infatuated with the ocean and the animals that lie beneath the surface. His love for sharks in particular became an important part of his identity, and shark gear became a staple in his wardrobe. When COVID hit in 2020, just like everything else shut down, so did aquariums, keeping Isaac from the thing he loved the most. In April of 2021, when we finally visited an aquarium again, he turned to my mom and said, I haven't seen a real shark in over a year. We then stood at the shark exhibit for a long time as he drank in every moment, exploring that blue water to spot every shark in sight. His face lit up as if this pool of water had just brought him the satisfaction and contentment he had been searching for for the past sharkless year. It fulfilled him like living water. The Samaritan woman was also standing at a pool of water, the well. Jesus asks her for a drink from this well, defying what society expects of him. The Jews at this time viewed themselves as the chosen ones and the Samaritans as part of the others, people not worthy of respect. This theme of disregarding the other has continued throughout the development of Christianity resulting in a long history of discriminating against those viewed as the other. Through a shallow interpretation of the Bible, failing to see deeper meanings and underlying themes in the Bible's many metaphors, many congregations still believe that the word of the Lord is one for only them and not for those they view as the others, such as divorcees, women, other cultural groups, the LGBTQ community, and so on. The Samaritan woman was also viewed as the other, but Jesus did not stray, setting an example of extending love across borders. In many congregations, I would be considered a part of the outgroup myself, aka the other, as a lesbian. I have been lucky enough to grow up in a supportive congregation as I have learned to embrace my identity as a queer woman. However, outside of this space, our space, I have not been shielded from people using religion to shame me for who I am. Many comments have been made to me throughout the years about who I am and how others think it fits in with Christianity. And the truth is, many people believe it does not fit in at all and are not afraid to say it. During a school lunch last year, I told somebody at school that I had church that night after he had discussed something he had done with his congregation the week prior. His response was, you go to church? Aren't you like an abomination to God? I brushed it off at first, but it stuck with me. I had come to terms years prior that many people would view who I was as wrong and that the friends I lost in the process were for the best. I have been able to brush off hateful or rude remarks, yet somehow having somebody comment on my place in the church I call home stuck with me. 
As a gay woman, this church was a place I learned to embrace myself, even when I never felt fully understood in other spaces. In a way, it was a sense of fulfillment, as I was surrounded by people who loved me for who I was, not unlike how Jesus extended God's love to someone who was considered the other, the Samaritan woman. My church family welcomed me for who I was, as Jesus did for the Samaritan woman, and provided me with the fulfillment I would not get elsewhere. Just as God provides living water, which continues to provide fulfillment time and time again. As I continue to grow, fulfilled by the love provided to me by a body of people who follow the way of Jesus, I try my best to extend that love to others in the same way. As I continue to immerse myself in our church community, I have been given the opportunity to be a youth representative as we search for a new youth minister. In these interviews, the vast difference of personalities in our youth group and how we always come together as one has been discussed multiple times. Some of the people I have created strong bonds with in our group, I would not be nearly as close to if we had met through school. Our group is representative of the congregation as we lift up and fulfill each other with something that goes beyond that of the often shallow relationships we create in school environments. I believe this continued fulfillment comes from a joint comes from our joint following of the example of Jesus in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. In middle and high school, cliques are very prominent. Often people outside of our groups, outside of our small group, get written off as the other. Not unlike how the different way of life that the Samaritans led was written off as wrong. But Jesus crossed that boundary just like God's love crosses those boundaries and is there to fulfill and to continue to quench the thirst of those who need it. In our youth group, while we all come from similar backgrounds, boundaries are still often crossed. Our cliques blend and we fulfill each other in any way that is needed. Whether this means being a shoulder to cry on, somebody to decipher Bible passages with, or to laugh with. We provide each other with a fulfillment I believe we can all agree we do not find elsewhere. However, this cannot be reached without effort to love one another as Jesus taught, and remembering to include people outside of our in-group, even when our beliefs do not necessarily mash. I believe our youth group serves as a jumping point for me and others to learn to extend ourselves and our love to others much further beyond the differences within our small group. With these efforts and reciprocation, we are provided with living water, as Jesus describes to the Samaritan. We create living water for each other by sharing God's unconditional love, and for that, I am so grateful. As I go into college, I hope to be more intentional in finding ways to extend my love beyond that of my in-group and create bonds with people I may not share backgrounds or beliefs with. But no matter the situation and sizes of the gaps between people, one thing rings true. The extension of our love across boundaries creates living water. May it be so, amen. Park Road is a place that has helped quench my thirst for community, for being understood, and most importantly, 
It is a place that has quenched my thirst for being loved. If you're looking for a place that can help quench your thirst, we invite you to come forward and meet Russ and Amy as we sing. <laughs> 